Christian. Um, so be praying for him along those lines. But uh, I'm thankful for him and him being here tonight. And so I didn't have to leave music. So, uh, but 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 next Wednesday, I don't think I. Uh, you, you sure you can't get like a you know a couple hour release or something. <laughs> so anyway. All right, 1 Kings chapter 17 is where we're going to be tonight, and uh, this is, this, this, uh, we're starting a brand new series tonight called Fire from Heaven, and we're going to be looking at the life of Elijah, uh, one of the uh, very, very uh, exciting prophets of the Bible, and uh, I think that uh, we'll learn a lot of great lessons as we go through his life. Um, certainly, he is most known for calling down fire from heaven. But that's not there all, all there is to, to learn about uh, or learn from his life. So uh, we're going we're gonna to pick it up in uh, 1 Kings chapter 17. And to start with tonight, I'm just going to read the first seven verses. Um, but uh, I'm planning to uh, make it all the way through this chapter, uh, at least in this message. Whether this message gets completed in one Wednesday night or not, I do not know. But uh, only the Lord knows. So 1 Kings chapter 17, verse number 1, the Bible says this. And Elijah the Tishbite, and uh, by the way, let me just call it a quick time out. First time in the scriptures, Elijah's name is mentioned, is right here in 1 Kings 17, verse number 1. Uh, so Elijah the Tishbite, this is how we're introduced to him, who was of the inhabitants of Gilead, said unto Ahab, As the Lord God of Israel liveth, before whom I stand, there shall not be dew nor rain these years, but according to my word. And the word of the Lord came unto him, uh, him being Elijah, saying, Get thee hence, and turn thee eastward, and hide thyself by the brook Cherith, that is before Jordan. And it shall be that thou shalt drink of the brook, and I have commanded the ravens to feed thee there. Verse 5, very critical a little uh, phrase, phraseology here. So he went and did according unto the word of the Lord. For he went and dwelt by the brook Cherith, that is before Jordan. And then verse 6, And the ravens brought him bread and flesh in the morning, and bread and flesh in the evening, and he drank of the brook. They came to pass, after a while, the brook dried up because there had been no rain in the land. Uh, one one wonderful fact about Elijah um, that uh, that I think most of us are f are familiar with, and that is, he is one of only two people in all of history to have what? Anybody know? Never die. I bet that's what you were going to say, and you too. Um, only two people in all of history did not die. Elijah, and who was the other one? Enoch, Enoch, and, uh, and I've made this joke before, but I'm going to make it again. Uh, both of their names started with the letter E, and uh, so does mine. And so I'm hoping that I also am not going to experience death, but that instead I'm going to experience the rapture. Uh, that's what I'm hoping. Um, and Aaron, are you in the same boat there, hoping for the rapture instead of death? Okay, so Aaron and I coolest people in the room because our names start with E. Um, but uh, Elijah never died. And, uh, and, and when you read through, uh, go into the book of Revelation and uh, look at 
the two witnesses found in Revelation chapter number 11. Uh, there's two witnesses, and uh, one of them, I think most people are pretty convinced that it is going to be Elijah. And uh, I have the belief, and it's not a dogmatic one, I wouldn't uh, break fellowship with anybody over it, but I think it's also going to be Enoch. So Enoch and Elijah are going to be there. Now, it could be Moses, um, but I think that uh, in order for uh, Hebrews chapter, I think, 9 and verse number 27, where it says, that is appointed unto men once to die, um, that everybody would experience death. And uh, these two men had not experienced death, and they would in this, in Revelation chapter 11. Um, so that's just my... Uh, my little theory, that's not in my notes there, that's all free. Um, uh, but that's my personal, uh, my personal uh, belief. Now, there's been several people who experienced death more than once. Uh, those who were resurrected, um, they died once, they were resurrected, and then, they, and then they died again. So they experienced death twice, but uh, Elijah experienced death zero times, at least up to this point, and I believe that in Revelation chapter 11, he will uh, come back and experience death. And I think it's going to be Enoch who's joining him. Uh, but Elijah uh, was, is the most referred to prophet in the New Testament. In fact, just last Sunday, we saw how that some of King Herod's advisors thought that Jesus was actually Elijah who came back. And uh, remember, it was King Herod who said, I know exactly who it is. It's, it's John the Baptist who's resurrected. Uh, but others thought, oh, no, it's Elijah. Um, Elijah was definitely uh, quite a man, um, but uh, he was just that, a man like you and I. He was human. And the last time he's mentioned in Scripture, we read these words in James chapter number 5. He's referred to, James refers to him. And uh, James 5.16 says, Elias, or Elijah, was a man subject to like passions as we are. So he uh, had some highs, and he had some lows, just like you and I do. Um, he knew what it was like to learn how God provides in, the, in powerful and miraculous ways, but he also knew what it was like to feel loneliness and discouragement. I think we can all relate to Elijah, and so... Uh, we're going to go ahead and dive into these uh, lessons starting tonight. Um, and tonight we start at the very first mention of Elijah in Scripture. And right at the very beginning, first mention, first verse, uh, we see him doing the work of a prophet um, already. Now, we don't have a lot of background information on uh, his upbringing, who his parents were. Uh, we, we know he was a Tishbite. We know that he... Uh, you know, lived in Gilead, um, but as far as, you know, how his, what his childhood was, we, we don't have that because uh, the Holy Spirit uh, decided that, hey, for Elijah's life, we're going to pick it up right when he is doing the work of a prophet. And so he goes right to Ahab at the very beginning here, and uh, the message title tonight is Faith 101, um, and as he does the work of a prophet, he's about to go through quite, uh, quite a classroom. Uh, chapter 17 is, is one big giant classroom of learning faith. Um, Seth mentioned that uh, he's learning sign language right now. So Julie is uh, homeschooling all four of our children, and at about 1 o'clock every afternoon, 
uh, they do a uh, home, they do a sign language class, and uh, I think it's just so that they can communicate without me understanding what's going on, and I think that's the whole purpose for this class. Uh, no, they need to have some type of second language, and and that's the language that they're going to learn. But um, the the class that uh, Elijah is about to take in chapter seventeen is going to prepare him for greater things down the road. Um, and uh, these lessons of faith that he's going to learn in chapter 17 will prove very invaluable come chapter number 18. And, of course, chapter 18 is where we have the famous calling down fire from heaven. And what an exciting story that is. But, that, but uh, there's going to be no chapter 18 and, unless we have a chapter 17. Unless he goes through and passes the test and learns the lessons of faith in chapter 17. And so we need to remember that before Elijah had the faith to call fire down from heaven, in chapter 18, he had to experience the trials and challenges of chapter 17. Um, so perhaps uh, you might be experiencing some suffering and setbacks and challenges and trials that you might be going through right now. They're perhaps uh, preparing you for great and mighty things in the next chapter of your life. So let's be good students in the classroom that we're in at the very moment uh, right now and not go, well, I don't, I, I don't want to be in this classroom. Well, I'm sure that there was times that Elijah was like, this isn't the best uh, for me. I don't really love being a part of this particular situation. And we're going to find that here as we go through uh, chapter number 17. So, so let's dive into chapter 17 and see how far we get uh, tonight. Uh, let's look at number one here, Elijah's prediction. Eliza's prediction. So here we go in, uh, in verse number one again, Elijah the Tishbite. He says to Ahab, as the Lord God of Israel liveth, before whom I stand, there shall not be dew nor rain these years, but according to my word. So here he makes up, he makes a prediction that there's going to be no rain uh, and uh, no dew. There's going to be no moisture uh, until he gives word that there's going to be, until the Lord says that there's going to be. Now, just to bring us up to speed historically, okay, remember we've talked about how the nation of Israel um, wanted a king. God said, you don't really want a king because here's what it's going to cost. They said, yeah, we still want a king. We don't want you to be our king anymore. Uh, we want to have a human king just like everybody else. We want to be part of the cool, cool club. And, uh, you know, we don't want to be so stuffy, religious, you know, uh, a theocracy. We want, to, we want to have a king just like everybody else. I mean, everybody else is doing it, so we should probably do it too. And God says, all right, fine, you can have a king. And who was the first king of Israel? Saul, King Saul. And uh, at first, uh, everything was going wonderful. I mean, yeah, he was physically head and shoulders above everybody else, and he looked like a king physically. And at first, he did realize that, man, he needed wisdom, and, and uh, he, he needed God's help. But then somewhere along the line, he began to get lifted up in pride and thinking he's got this. And God eventually rejected him for being king, and, and, uh, and then David, the Young shepherd boy became king in his stead eventually. I'm skipping a lot of details. But then after, after David, then comes King Solomon. And Solomon was, a, was the wisest man who ever lived outside of the Lord Jesus, of course. And uh, he, 
had great wisdom. He had great possessions, but uh, he also had, uh, he, he allowed his, uh, uh, his heart to be drawn astray by those who he had relationships with. And he allowed his heart to be pulled away from the Lord by being involved with uh, the wrong women. And uh, that, that relationship between the opposite gender can really either be a tremendous blessing for good or a curse. And in Solomon's life, it was a major curse. And uh, he became, his heart completely went away from the Lord. And, and uh, he wrote the book of Proverbs to his son, Rehoboam, trying to impart wisdom. But uh, Solomon himself did not listen to his own advice, his own counsel. And so when Rehoboam took over, um, he saw how his dad did it. And so he kind of tried to follow his dad and in not all the good ways, in some of the bad ways. And under Rehoboam's reign, that's when the, uh, that's when the nation of Israel split and the divided kingdom took place. Uh, the, there were ten tribes that went up to the northern the northern ten tribes formed Israel, and then there was two that broke away. It was Judah and Benjamin, and that became the tribe, the the, the kingdom of Judah. All right. Now Judah again had a mixed bag when it came to the kings on good and bad. Israel, across the board, from the rest for the rest of that divided kingdom scenario, all the kings were wrong. All the kings did evil. And uh, God sent prophets to some of these kings and to the nation of Israel during this reign or during this split divided kingdom scenario to try to get the nation to come back to God. And, uh, And here God sends Elijah the Tishbite to Ahab, who was the king of Israel at that point. And of course, we know Ahab, his wife, what was Ahab's wife's name? Jezebel. Oh, what a special lady, special woman, I'm sorry. She is. She was. And uh, we'll get to covering her life a little bit as it relates to Elijah um, here in, as we go through the series. But um, So God here now sends Elijah the Tishbite to Ahab um, to tell them that there's going to be a major physical drought in Israel. Now, here's the deal. Um, there was another drought going on before this physical drought. There was a major spiritual drought that was going on in Israel. And Ahab certainly led to more of it because of all the idolatry that they allowed into the nation. And so now God says, okay, you guys have experienced quite a spiritual drought. And maybe you'll recognize that you're in a spiritual drought when there's a physical drought that will come into your life. And so God sends Elijah to give him that particular uh, information and that, that warning. Uh, now, it's, it's interesting, to me, interesting that uh, Elijah, uh, somewhere along the line, was born, right? We don't, again, have the details of his birth, but somewhere he was born, and God had him prepared for the right time to go to this king named Ahab. So Elijah... God rose Elijah, Elijah up for such a time as this, for the right time. And it's important for us to understand that you say, yeah, what, what, what purpose do I have? Look, God has raised you and I up and, and, and placed us right here at this time in history 
for again, such a time as this. God has you here to make a difference in our church, in your community, in your neighborhood, in your workplace, at your school, uh, wherever you go, God has put you here on purpose for a reason right here, right now. You say, why, why wasn't I born in the medieval times? Why wasn't I born in Bible times? Why, why am I not, why wasn't I waited, you know, God didn't wait to make me until, you know, 3050. Well, because God wanted you and I here, right here, right now, for such a time as this, just like God put Elijah at that point in history uh, for such a time as this. And Elijah rose to the challenge, at least at first. There's going to be some time uh, down the road here where Elijah wants to uh, not rise to the challenge. But uh, Elijah makes this prediction, okay? And, uh, and, and sure enough, it does happen. Now, uh, let's see. Let's, let's jump to number two here, God's provision. Okay, after Elijah makes this prediction, then God says to Elijah in verse number two, uh, the word of the Lord came unto him saying, in verse three, get thee hence, turn thee eastward and hide thyself by the brook Cherith that is before Jordan. Uh, so he, uh, God says, hey, I want to provide for you. I want to meet your needs because yes, there is a famine or a drought that's going to be happening, uh, but I want you to go somewhere where I can meet your needs. Verse 4, and it shall be that thou shalt drink of the brook, and I've commanded the ravens to feed thee there. And I love verse number 5, and I read it very carefully when we read it at the very beginning. So he went and did according unto the word of the Lord. How important is it for us as believers to follow that same verbiage? So Eric went and did according unto the word of the Lord. I hope that can be said of me, and I hope that can also be said of you, that we go out and do according unto the word of the Lord. For he went and dwelt by the brook Cherith, that is before Jordan, and the ravens brought him bread and flesh in the morning, and bread and flesh in the evening, and he drank of the brook. Now here's something super profound. You're going to be so glad you came to church tonight because you learned something so profound. Okay. Verse 6 comes after verse number 5. You're welcome. I know, theological expert, I know, Bible scholar, I know. Okay, no, I know that's super simple, but here it is. If, if we want the provision of God sometimes in our, in our lives, uh, we've got to uh, do verse number 5. Verse 6 doesn't come first. Verse 5 comes first. See? And uh, a lot of times we want the blessings of God and the provision of God in our lives, but we're not willing to do according unto the word of the Lord. But when we do, then God's able then to provide. Uh, a lot of times the promises of God are very conditional. There are some unconditional promises in the word of God. But there are a lot of conditional promises too. What's one conditional promise? Well, I was thinking about this this afternoon, and I was thinking salvation really actually is a, a conditional promise. Now, hear me out. Okay? It, it's a promise to all, but it's not a promise that everybody's going to be saved. 
because God's going to make it happen for everybody. That's not the case. It's a conditional promise. What's the word of the Lord to those who are lost? It is repent and believe the gospel. Uh, when, uh, when, when the jailer there at Philippi asked uh, Paul and Silas, what must I do to be saved? Paul said, believe on the Lord Jesus Christ and thou shalt be saved. Uh, there's a promise there, but it's, condition, it's conditional upon your belief and faith and trust. Uh, now, now you, you, could, you could take it too far, obviously, and say, well, that means it's a work. You have to do something. Um, and there, that, that, there's a fine line there, and, and you need to be careful not to cross it. Because we are not saved by works, but uh, we're saved by, by grace through faith. But, but here's the deal. We, we are called to believe. We are called to uh, place our faith and trust in Christ. And, and if we do not, then that promise of salvation is not for me. So there is conditional promises in the Bible. And uh, we want those promises, but we don't want verse number five. So here's the deal. Elijah was willing to do according unto the word of the Lord. And uh, we can kind of take this and apply it across the board on different areas of the Christian life. God has called us as believers to go into all the world and preach the gospel to every creature. He's called us to be his witnesses both in Jerusalem and Judea and Samaria and the uttermost part of the earth. Okay, are we willing to actually do? Are we willing to do according unto the word of the Lord? And we have an opportunity this coming Saturday to do that. And I know you can do it other times of the week, and I hope we do. Um, but uh, and you say, well, I can't make it because I got this. Well, find another time where you can go and be a witness for the Lord Jesus Christ. Um, but here's an opportunity for us to have an organized time to do that as a church family. And I do want to, again, uh, kind of harp on it a little bit more uh, to be here on, on Saturday morning. So Elijah went and did according unto the word of the Lord, and then God provided for him. Now, God did provide in ways that Elijah wasn't probably expecting. Now, again, the Lord told him what was going to happen there, but, but I mean, you know, to... To have God say, you're going to go to this brook and, and uh, you're going to drink the water in that brook. And then these, these unclean birds are going to bring bread and, and uh, flesh in the morning and bread and flesh in the evening. It was definitely uh, never happened before and, and really never happened again. Only time in, in history that God provided in this particular way. And uh, God provides in ways that uh, you and I may not expect or be ready for, but he has a way of providing, doesn't he? Isaiah chapter 55, it reminds me of this, verse number 8, My thoughts are not your thoughts, neither are your ways my ways, saith the Lord. As the heavens are higher than the earth, so are my ways higher than your ways, and my thoughts than your thoughts. You say, well, I know exactly how the Lord needs to handle this particular situation. The thing is, is, yeah, but you have a very finite mind. I mean, yours is probably a better mind than mine, but, but still, all of us are human, and we don't see the whole picture, and God does, and He has a way of working things out in ways that, um, wow, I wouldn't have thought to do it that way, but hey, that's the way God decided to provide, and I'm going to trust Him with that. And that's what happened here with Elijah. 
And, and he trusted the Lord, he obeyed God, and then God provided. And uh, so is the case for many times in our Christian life. He wants to provide for us. Are we willing to obey? Give and it shall be given unto you. Do we really want to? He, he's not going to give unto us until we first give. See, and uh, I was thinking about the uh, um, Joshua and leading the people into the promised land. And as they get to the Jordan River, he has to take a step into that river. And then as he takes a step into that river, then it parts. See, you got to act first, obey first, live, take your step of faith first. And then the Lord will provide. And uh, Elijah shows us that here in this particular passage. Well, verse number seven says, And it came to pass after a while that the brook dried up again. Uh, because there was a, a drought, because in verse number seven, it says, because there had been no rain in the land. And eventually the brook dried up. Well, was God going to leave him hanging there and just uh, die of thirst? Now, here comes the word of the Lord again in verse number eight. The word of the Lord came unto him, saying, Arise, get thee to Zarephath, which belongeth to Zidon, and dwell there. Behold, I have commanded a widow woman there to sustain thee. So here God's taking care of uh, of the man of God. And notice again in verse number 10, here's obedience. Verse number 10, so he arose and went to Zarephath. And uh, when he came to the gate of the city, behold, the widow woman was there gathering of sticks. And he called to her and said, fetch me, I pray thee, a little water in a vessel that I may drink. And we'll stop there and let me go ahead and jump into number three here on the outline. Uh, the widow's problem. We're going to see the widow had some problems here. And uh, one thing to notice, one thing to note that I hadn't really uh, ever really kind of stopped and considered too much, and that is the fact that this, this woman here uh, was actually a Gentile woman. I remember they, uh, you know, Elijah was a, was a Jew, and uh, Ahab was a Jew, and he went to Ahab, but, uh, but here the Lord is now using a Gentile woman living in a Gentile area to help the man of God. Now, as Elijah comes to her and, and says in verse number, at the end of verse number 10, I pray thee a little water, fetch me, a, I pray thee a little water in a vessel that I may drink. Um, and then as she was going to fetch it, he called to her and said, bring me, I pray thee, a morsel of bread of thine hand. And she said, well, as the Lord thy God liveth, I have not a cake, but a handful of meal in a barrel and a little oil in a cruise. And behold, I am gathering two sticks that I may go in and dress it for me and my son that we may eat it and die. So one of her problems was that she was completely poor and out of resources. And she was planning to use the last remaining resources to have one last meal before they uh, starve and die. And so she was, so really, in God's perspective, he's, he's using her to provide not just for Elijah, but in turn to ultimately provide for all three of them. And it's a pretty uh, neat how all this works. And again, God's sovereignty in all of this is, is pretty amazing to behold. So she's very hesitant in verse number 12. She says, I, I can't do it. I, I don't really have enough. I mean, I basically have enough just for our last meal, and that's it. 
But then verse number 13, here's some reassurance. Elijah said unto her, fear not. That's a... Now, now, can you imagine being in that situation? I mean, there's some people in this country that are really scared about what is going to be happening with the economy and with all the different things happening in, in the world today. You know, uh, what's going to happen? Uh, I think the message that our believers especially need to hear is what Elijah says to this woman here, fear not. Don't be afraid about what the future may behold. And there's some things that could happen. And uh, it got pretty, pretty bleak for that, that blessed widow woman. I mean, she was about ready to die. I mean, they, they had no hope. But uh, Elijah said, fear not. And that's a great message for us tonight, too. As we consider some of the bleakness that perhaps is in our future here in America or just in the world in general. I mean, it, it may not look that great as we look at the future, but the message is still, fear not. And uh, I just want to encourage you guys with that tonight. I'm sorry, encourage y'all with that tonight. I apologize. Still working on it. Still working on it. Uh, that, sometimes that California stuff comes out once in a while, you guys. Um, all right, fear not. And then he says in verse 13, Fear not, go and do as thou hast said, but make me thereof a little cake first, and bring it unto me, and after make for thee and for thy son. And, uh, you know, every time I've read through this, I, I want, my first thought is, man, Elijah, you're kind of being a little selfish here, you know? I mean, what happened to ladies first? You know, what happened to, you know, putting others first? But, uh, but, but what this was was, Elijah was the man of God, and he was saying, hey, I'm representing the Lord here, and, and I want you to uh, honor the Lord first. Now, he wasn't saying, honor, you know, I'm God, but, uh, but in her doing so, it, it was saying that she was putting the Lord first. Again, Gentile woman here. And so verse 14, he makes this promise. He says, for thus saith the Lord God of Israel, and evidently somewhere along the line, God had given Elijah this message that the barrel of meal shall not waste, neither shall the cruise of oil fail until the day uh, that the Lord sendeth rain upon the earth. And notice verse 15. Here's, so she's got some serious problems. She's about to die, and, and uh, now, this, now this strange man comes in and says, hey, make me some cake. You know, bake me a cake, woman. And she's kind of like, whoa, whoa, whoa. I mean, who are you? I mean, I, I, we're about to die here. We're out, of, we're out of resources. And then he says, fear not, because as the Lord thy God liveth, um, you're going you're gonna to be okay. And notice verse 15. I love this. And she went and did according to the saying of Elijah. So once again, we see obedience to the word of God. Now, again, Elijah gave the word of God, and so uh, she went and did according to, really, the word of God here. She obeyed, and then guess what? She was provided for. She obeyed the Lord, and God provided. And she and her house did eat many days. And, verse 16, the barrel of meal wasted not, neither did the cruise of oil fail, according to the word of the Lord, which he spake by Elijah. 
So here we get, here again, we see someone being provided for because they were willing to obey the word of God. And again, we don't have the provision until we have the obedience, until we have the uh, do according to the word of the Lord. So there was a tremendous problem here, uh, but uh, she was willing to um, she was willing to obey and uh, put the Lord first in her place. By the way, uh, we find this same principle in Matthew chapter six and verse thirty-three. We're worried about what we're going to eat. We're worried about what we're going to wear. We're worried about all the things that everybody is worried about in this world. But God says, "Don't worry about those things." He says instead. But seek ye first the kingdom of God and his righteousness. And when we do that, all these things shall be added unto you. And we see that principle in Elijah's life and now in the widow's life. They're seeking the Lord first and putting him first in their life. And then God takes care of the rest. So instead of fretting and being so concerned about what this future holds... What our future holds, you know, we don't know what the future holds, but so long as we know who holds the future, right? And we seek Him first and His righteousness, and we're wanting to obey Him in the areas that we know we should, and we really have nothing to fear. God will take care of us. Uh, in all of this, Elijah was learning moment by moment how that his needs were met and that God was taking care of him. Uh, remember, he was first taken care of through unclean birds. These ravens were unclean birds. And uh, God used unclean birds to take care of him. And then he used a Gentile woman in Zarephath to take care of him. And he's learning to trust the Lord that, hey, God is able to, to see me through. God is going to take care of me through every day or all the way. He's going to take care of you. God will take care of you. So let's just trust him and obey him. Trust and obey. for There's no other way to be happy in Jesus. Okay, so we see the widow's problem. And uh, let's see here. I probably can finish this. Number four, Elijah's prayer. And verse number 17, well, it came to pass after these things, and we don't know how long it was, but um, the Bible says here in verse number uh, 15, they did eat many days. But then in verse 17, it came to pass after these things that the son of the woman, the mistress of the house, fell sick. And his sickness was so sore that there was no breath left in him. And she said unto Elijah, What have I to do with thee, O thou man of God? And this was not a like term of endearment. <laughs> this was not a compliment. This was not, you know, hey, the man of God's here. This was a sarcastic, uh, very, very rude thing, very rude tone that she used here. O thou man of God, art thou come unto me to call my sin to remembrance? And to slay my son. So here after God miraculously kept the barrel of meal full and the cruise of oil full. Now Elijah finds himself in quite a spot. 
You see, the son dies, and she immediately blames Elijah for it. Evidently, there was some sin that she that uh, she committed in the past, and we don't know the details of it. But she felt guilty about those sins, and and thought that God was using Elijah to deliver ju- judgment upon her by killing her son. And that's what she thought, and she blamed him. Now, he, he didn't have anything to do with it. He was simply trying to be obedient. He was told to go to Zarephath and dwell among them and, and uh, go find this widow woman. And he did. And uh, all of a sudden now she's blaming him. And, and uh, for those in the ministry, it, it, can, uh, it can turn south pretty quickly. You know, for one day you're like, you know, their, their favorite person. And then, and then you know, you... The next, when things start not working out very good in their life, and they, um, then they can really easily blame, um, blame even, even those in the ministry. So here Elijah finds himself in that very difficult spot. But in that spot, he turns. Well, let me go ahead and read verse 19 there. Here's Elijah's response. Give me thy son. And he took him out of her bosom and carried him up into a loft where he abode and laid him upon his own bed. And by the way, the widow woman mom was not allowed to be there. Um, she was pretty emotional. And uh, I, uh, I understand the wisdom there of Elijah <laughs> removing and being out of the, out of the room uh, from this very uh, emotional, distraught woman. In verse 20, here's some humanity that uh, Elijah shows here. He cried unto the Lord and said, O Lord my God, Hast thou also brought evil upon the widow with whom I sojourned by slaying her son? He thought, Lord, did you do this? I mean, why'd you do this? I don't understand what you're trying to do here. And so that was kind of his first reaction. But then, verse 21, he kind of gets his faith back again and says, uh, he stretches himself upon the child three times. And remember, it's this dead body, and so he... He lays upon this, this corpse. Two sermons in a row, and I'm preaching on dead bodies. I preached on John the Baptist and his beheading, and then, and then now here we have this son who's dead, and this prophet uh, stretches himself and lays on top of this dead corpse. Uh, I don't know that that would have been my first uh, idea. <laughs> It'll pop in my head, I know what we can do. I'm going to lay on top of this, this dead no, I don't think I would do that first, but Elijah did, and he stretched himself upon the child three times and cried unto the Lord, turn unto God, and said, O Lord my God, I pray thee, let this child's soul come into him again. And so he, he prays. Elijah, in this tough place, turns again to the Lord, and, and then his faith shones through in verse 21. Because he has learned here that... Um, that God can do great, mighty things. He, he's in the miracle-working business. He serves a God that is powerful, that can feed him in, the, in, in a brook and cause birds to deliver him. I mean, before DoorDash and Postmates, I mean, he gets the first delivery. It's pretty amazing. Well, uh, and, and these ravens are doing it. And then he, he does a miracle by providing this food for this family for all this time. And so now his faith has been built up, and now he's asking the Lord to 
revive this guy, this, this kid. Now, that's pretty amazing faith because you consider this. You and I, uh, we, we're familiar with some of the Bible stories, with how God raised up multiple people throughout the Word of God. Of course, we know of Christ being resurrected by His own power, but we know of Jairus' daughter. Uh, we know this story, and there's others in the Bible too. And we know that, that, that God is able to do that, but think about it for a second. Elijah had zero of those stories because there hadn't been any stories yet. This is the first resurrection in the Bible. So Elijah, for him to pray this, it's pretty amazing faith. Uh, because it had never happened before. It was unprecedented. And here we go. And number five, we'll end with this thought here, and that is God's power. Verse 22, as he prays, the Lord heard the voice of Elijah, and the soul of the child came into him again, and he revived. So God's power was on display once again, and Elijah's faith is getting built up and built up and built up as he goes to the classroom of chapter 17. So he faces these difficult scenarios. His faith is being built up. And so verse 23, Elijah took the child, brought him down out of the chamber into the house and delivered him unto his mother. And uh, I, imagine, I imagine he was really glad to bring, her, bring back a, a living son now uh, because she was so mad at him. Elijah said, see, thy son liveth. And notice this, verse 24, And the woman said to Elijah, Now by this I know that thou art a man of God, and that the word of the Lord is in thy mouth, or in thy mouth is truth. And so there was a, a tremendous response that the woman had. I mean, she said, I know you are the word. You are the man of God, and, and the word that you speak is truth. Uh, this particular incident is actually uh, so valued um, that it's mentioned and uh, referred to in Hebrews chapter 11 and verse number 35. And Hebrews chapter 11 is the hall of faith, and we're studying it on Sunday nights. Well, we had been, uh, but uh, we're going to get back to it, I think, Lord willing, this Sunday night. But in verse 35, it says this in Hebrews chapter 11. It says, women received their dead raised to life again. And others were tortured, not accepting deliverance, but... But in the beginning part of that verse, it's a reference to this, this, this very first situation, this very first resurrection in all the Bible. Pretty amazing. And uh, so chapter 8's coming. Chapter 18 is coming. And uh, we, we, we're going we're gonna to see Elijah display tremendous faith, calling down fire from heaven. I mean, an exciting uh, display of God's power, but also uh, Elijah's faith. But none of that would have been possible if he didn't learn the lessons of chapter 17. As he faced the difficulties that he was encountering then. You and I might be in chapter number 17 right now, and you're like, man, these trials just keep coming one after the other. And uh, it just, I don't really know where I'm going to pay my next bill, or, or how am I going to deal with this particular health crisis, or this family crisis, or this work crisis? How am I going to deal with this? Um, just keep trusting the Lord and keep doing according 
unto the word of the Lord. And that was the key for Elijah. He kept obeying God's word, and even the widow began to start to learn from his example and obey the word of God. And guess what? The Lord provided. The Lord miraculously provided. So just obey, seek the Lord. And then another key element, too, is fear not. Even though, even though things may look bleak, well, let's decide not to fear, but instead to trust the Lord, to seek Him first, and knowing that He will, all these things shall be added unto you. And uh, with that, let's go ahead and have a word of prayer, and uh, then we'll look at some prayer requests tonight. Lord, thank you so much for the, uh, the opportunity to study the life of Elijah, and uh, certainly a man that we can all relate to in, in many ways. Um, especially as we go down through this series. But, Lord, we thank you for his example here as a prophet who is willing to simply obey the word of the Lord. Help us, Lord, to be willing to obey the word of the Lord. Help us, Lord, to do so even if it doesn't make sense. And go into a Gentile area, find a Gentile woman to help. Didn't seem like it made a lot of sense, but he did it. Going to a brook and believing that you're going to actually use birds to carry him food. That didn't make a lot of sense, but he did it. And so, Lord, as, as, as you call us and, and lead us, help us, Lord, to be willing to obey, even if it doesn't seem to make sense. And I pray, Lord, that you would miraculously provide and take care of us and help us not to fear uh, what, what, what goes on in our life in the future. Uh, Lord, I ask that uh, you'd uh, help our church family uh, to uh, love and serve you and to um, walk with you and to be all you desire us to be. Thank you for uh, placing us here in this, in this time, in this place. Help us, Lord, to uh, fulfill our purpose for such a time as this. I pray these things in Christ's name. Amen.